from Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle? Or War Eagle. That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hey everyone, welcome in. I'm Brandon Marcello, joined by Keith Niebuhr, recruiting expert extraordinaire. It is uh, mid to late May, which is usually one of the worst times of the year when it comes to uh, our jobs. Sometimes, not so much for recruiting, there's always something going on. Uh, I'll be heading down to Sandestin, Florida next week for the uh, SEC spring meetings where we will uh, sit in a windowless room for much of the week and chase uh, athletic directors and coaches around. And usually something comes out of that. We'll have full coverage of that. So at least we'll get to talk to some coaches there. But as it stands right now, I guess the big thing that's going on as far as, you know, Auburn football, which everybody wants to talk about these days, always 24-7, is, um, you know, players arriving on campus. And we're doing our best to track some folks down. Um, we all know that uh, graduate transfer J.J. Wilson, excuse me, out of Arizona State, who played linebacker and a little bit of tight end at Arizona State, has arrived on campus at Auburn. He arrived Monday for summer classes. He's going to play H-back, a veteran, has one year to play one year. And um, uh, others are on the way. Keith, um, yeah, I, I guess you know this time of year is usually when the I, we call them stragglers, but used to be this is what like when everybody would start arriving. But so many people enroll halfway through the year in January that it's almost like oh, here's like three or four guys that still have yeah. to arrive. Um, who are some players that we're still waiting to hear word on, and and uh, any idea on some other players that will yeah, I- be arriving this week? I think the big one is Charles Moore. I mean, that's a, a top 100 recruit from Louisville, Mississippi. You know, was committed to Mississippi State at one time, uh, decommitted, ended up signing with Auburn. And that was a huge one. Let's be honest. That was a huge one. But, you know, we heard him, you know, well, I'll tell you what happened, Brandon. It was a day after he signed with Auburn. He also double signed with Jones County Community College in Mississippi. Now, so that kind of raised some eyebrows. Now, we're getting mixed signals on this one. Some people say he's going to be good academically. Some other schools that were recruiting him, um, some sources connected to those programs told me they thought he would always be a full qualifier. Uh, but we don't know for sure. Nobody has just said he's absolutely coming, and he's kind of gone ghost. He's gone quiet. So I talked to one of his good friends the other day, Jaron Handy, who's also part of the 2019 Auburn recruiting class, and he said it was his understanding that Charles would be at Auburn next Monday when the later arrivals get there. Uh, so that's the one we're really waiting on. Another big one, though, was Javaris Johnson, a four-star receiver, you know, Brandon, this kid had 1,700 receiving yards as a senior. He's like 5'8 and a half, 5'9, and very fast. So he's going to play that Ryan Davis position, and he's going to return punts like Ryan Davis. So that's an important guy. Even though he wasn't there in the spring, he has the potential, uh, given that you, you know Auburn likes different types of receivers at each of the position, he has the potential to really play this year. Now, we'll see. I mean, it's a major adjustment. Uh, but also remember uh, that his coach in high school is a guy you know up at Hewitt Trustville that uh, very close to Gus Malzahn and, and runs a similar offense. So if anybody could come in late and play, it might be Gerard's. Well, 
Look, this guy, uh, Brandon, had a 1.5 core GPA after his first year in high school. I mean, that's about as bad as it gets without being like thrown out of school. So he really had to turn it up. He switched schools, uh, ended up at Hewitt Trustville, got his uh, act together, turned it around. And he's going to qualify, he says. He says he's going to be there Monday. So that was the big one. Mark Anthony Richards is coming. Dynamic running back. He'll be here next week. Jaron Handy, a defensive lineman who is almost certainly going to play a, a significant role in 2020 and, and maybe a key backup in 2019. Keandre Jones, a talented young offensive lineman, four-star kid. He'll be there. The two young men from South Georgia, Southeast Georgia, the coach, Deshaun Seffield, who could be receiver or safety, and Jalen Simpson. They're good to go. Uh, you know, some of the other guys we haven't heard about just because uh, you know, they, we haven't contacted them, but there doesn't seem to be too many concerns. I mean, Cameron Brown, Derek Brown's younger brother, he's fine. Octavius Brothers, linebacker from Florida, he's fine. Uh, but, we, you know, you never really know until guys get there. You know, last year we heard and were told by various sources, oh, everybody's good, everybody's good. And lo and behold, Connus Miller, the defensive lineman, didn't make it this point and ended up not coming until later in the summer. And quite frankly, Brandon, that really set him back and he didn't play early in the year. And by the end of the year, he was playing some, but, uh, so those are really the guys, the main guy we're waiting on is, uh, is Charles Moore because he's a guy that could be a significant player at Auburn over the next three, four years. Could there be somebody else that, that isn't quite there? Uh, sometimes kids scores get flagged and that could set them back a month or so. We just don't know. There's, uh, you know, what I think it's hard to sometimes tell people without them wondering, you know, when they're wondering where the information is, you can usually get a lot of information from your sources, Brandon. When it comes to academics, though, that's when it sort of gets a little tricky. Some people get timid. Uh, you know, there's uh, you got to be careful with academics. Uh, you have laws that prevent you from just telling anybody what somebody's grades are. So there's always that, too. Uh, so I don't know. It's, it's tricky. But Charles Moore is really the one everybody's going to be watching now. Could, like I said, could there be somebody else? Who knows? But I think everybody else is probably good to go. I mean, probably. Uh, that's the best I can do right now. And then Charles Moore, who, by the way, is a smart kid. Uh, I don't know why he would be iffy, but there were some concerns from my understanding. Uh, so who knows, though? You just, I mean, you hate giving that kind of an answer, but sometimes that's all you got. I mean, listen, you can't know everything, especially as you said with academics because well, I don't, yeah brandon we don't we you and i don't have access to these kids transcripts obviously. right and it's a yeah. touchy subject hey are you going to qualify it's very touchy <laughs> you know I mean? it's very touchy and i don't deal yeah. i don't deal with it very often but the one of the last times i did was with uh woody barrett when i went to go see mm. him in person mm. and he would not like talk to me after agreeing to meet me in person at his school and i traveled all the way down there because he was afraid where i was going to bring up academics and I was like, I'm not here for that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And three hours later, I finally got to talk to him. So, yeah, definitely academics is always a touchy subject with, with some of these kids. Unless, and, um, you know, um, uh, a lot of these kids just want to talk about their exploits and everything as an athlete. Yeah. They don't want to say, hey, I, I made a, a D on my uh, final, you know, well, and that's what I'm well, worried about. If I could relay an exchange that I had with Jaron Handy, again, another 2019 signee, very talented player. I mean, this guy's really going to be good, I think. Now, we'll see. I've been wrong about, about guys before. But, you know, I said, hey, what's up with Charles? I haven't been able to reach him. I mean, I, I've, I've reached out to him on Twitter. I've, I've texted him. I haven't been able to reach Charles more in months. And he said, man, that, that kid's in his own world. Now, that's coming from one of his good friends. So that, that made me feel a little bit better. But it, he said he thought that Charles would be here next week. Now, we'll see. Again, I, you just never really know. I mean, 
Connus Miller was going to be fine until he wasn't fine. And then he was fine eventually. So, uh, you know, I, you know, here's the bigger thing though. You, you want Charles Moore there because he's very good. And then if he isn't here, will he be here later in the summer? Then it really opens a Pandora's box of questions. If a guy's not here now, uh, next week, then, then you have to then say, okay, well, there's only one more chance then for him to get qualified. So you, you just don't know. But uh, again, uh, you know, I've talked to people connected to Mississippi State and LSU, two schools that were heavily involved in his recruitment, and they always were under the impression that he would be a full qualifier. So, you know, again, we don't know for sure, but that, that's the latest intel we have, Brandon. Yeah, it's always interesting. Uh, Charles Moore, as you mentioned, was a guy that was committed for, with Mississippi State for a while. A lot of folks thought he might go to Auburn, end up committing to Auburn. As you said, then he commits to a JUCO and, or, uh, you know, signs to the JUCO and yeah, the JUCO yeah. announces it and we're all like, okay. And then we're told, Hey, nothing to worry here, but yeah, yeah. expects him to be a full qualifier. And then, you know, as you said, when you just can't reach the kid, you know, through any, any means. Well, just... I, yeah. I talked to a good source about a month ago, I'd say Brandon, and they said it was, it, they, they felt okay, but maybe not great. And, and you'd rather hear they feel great, you know, Auburn being they. So, you know, again, it's, um, and that, again, that's a guy that's a really good player too. I mean, you know, he's got a lot of, very good I don't player. think he, don't think Brandon, he had a great senior season. And, I, and if my memory's right, he was hurt and did not play much as much at all. Uh, if at all, excuse me, during his junior season, but at the Under Armour all America game that whole week, he really flashed some big time potential. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a best on best situation. And I, look, I know some kids show up more focused than others at those things, but it certainly proved that he had the skill set to be really good at this level. Now we'll see. Um, yeah. <laughs> a guy, I, I, oh, he's, a, yeah. he's a guy that could step in and replace Marlon Davidson in a year or two. Oh, um, absolutely. And Auburn needs yeah. that because, you know, as much as we talk about the depth along the defensive line, that, you know, that, that depth is going to kind of start going away after this upcoming season as players right. leave. So they, they've got to get these guys in. Be interesting to watch. Also, uh, over the weekend, Auburn picked up a commitment from a grad transfer, a receiver, uh, Zach Farrar. I hope I'm saying his uh, last name correctly. Out of Youngstown State, he's been to three schools, I believe, in three years: uh, Oklahoma, um, Youngstown State. What was the school between those two? I don't remember. Mississippi Gulf Coast, and of Mississippi course, Gulf you know, Coast. I, yeah, yeah. I had the page all called up, and now my I got kicked offline, but I'm going to find that again. But yeah, so this will be his fourth school in four years, but. You know, Brandon, he's a, a big kid, and we know that Auburn kind of wanted a guy that was a big receiver. So, you know, he's he's got some size. Uh, you know, uh, he uh, – let's see. I'm looking at this right I now. Think, I, I think more than anything anything with him, Keith, one, it's the big – he's yeah. a big kid, six foot four. They really wanted that. They feel like that's what they've been yeah. missing. He's got some experience, too. But also, he's got two years of eligibility remaining. So exactly. if, he, if he isn't, like – polished as much as they want him to be they've got another year with him so they're thinking forward they're not just getting a one-year guy they're getting a two-year guy that can potentially by his senior year be big if he's not big for them you know this upcoming year yeah again a big kid a big target and and his clips you know there weren't many but his clips is 6'3 210 pounds uh and, and you know you lost a bigger receiver in Darius Slayton and then you know obviously Kyle Davis isn't with the program and Nate Craig Myers, those were all guys that had size. So he's got size. He's been a part of a big program, Oklahoma. So even though he was redshirted that year, you know, he knows what it's like to at least be on a team that's a nationally known program. Uh, He's never really put up a lot of great stats, but in his limited catches last year, which I believe 
20 passes at Youngstown State for 303 yards and, and one touchdown. Uh, again, showed flashes, showed some ability. Um, and, and you know, look, he had Auburn a great had, had a great game against West Virginia. Well, you know, uh, look, Auburn had flirted with Lamichael Pl- uh, Lamichael Petway, but he ultimately signed with uh, or decided to train. You know, he's an Arkansas grad transfer. Ultimately, decided to go to Iowa State, where they've got a returning quarterback. And quite frankly, you know, I, from what I understand, he was really looking for a promise of being a starter and all that. And Auburn just wasn't willing to to promise somebody a starting position. That's the, that's the side I get. That's the, the version I get uh, uh, there. Uh, and then they flirted with a, a Marcus Sims, who we wrote about last week, a, a really good transfer from West Virginia, who my sources, Brandon, and I know you talked to people too, thought this guy's a surefire NFL guy. Uh, but, you know, there were some potentially academic hurdles there, not, not necessarily with grades, but just in terms of would he be a grad transfer? Would he be a regular transfer? Could he play this year? And Auburn really wanted a guy to play that could play this year, and and Farrar can do that. Uh, you know, again, not a lot of stats. Eleven catches for 266 yards in Mississippi Gulf Coast. I mean, eleven catches in ten games is not a lot. Now, junior college football, you never know what you're going to get at quarterback. So that, that you know, that's an interesting dynamic there. But they felt comfortable enough taking them. And uh, you know, again, the the big concern would be, hey, this is already four schools in four years. So you you know, you know, but. He cleared all the he, you know, he cleared all the hurdles. You know, meeting with Auburn, meeting with Gus Malzahn, Cody Burns, Kenny Dillingham, and all those guys. But and then we you, again, know, we're, you know we're talking so, academic we're talking academics. Yeah. I mean he's a grad transfer, um, even though he's been at three schools. So he obviously yeah. did his coursework and yeah, not and, and, if, and if you're familiar with colleges, everybody, you know that sometimes some of your coursework doesn't transfer over credit hours to other schools. Sometimes, so the fact that he graduated that amount of time. Uh, says something about him yeah, uh, at the very absolutely. least in the classroom. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in, you know, because this past spring with the loss of Darius Slayton and some issues at receiver, I know everybody thought that the receiver position would be a strength, but, you know, there were some struggles there. And I know the spring game made them look like all-stars. And I've been told by several folks on both sides of the ball, offense and defense, that uh, it was kind of designed that way, the spring game, to, to make the receivers and quarterbacks look good because the quarterbacks are going to throw the ball a lot. Um, but ha- having said that, th- there's been talk about moving Anthony Schwartz to the outside into that quote-unquote Darius Slayton role. Um, and maybe with this, one, at least provide some competition with Ferrar coming in. But two, maybe if he ends up panning out, they, they can put Anthony Schwartz back where they really want him where he's not necessarily just the deep threat guy uh, there on the outside. So that's kind of what Auburn was looking for, big physical guy, one that can go downfield, but also you know use his body to shield himself and, and get some passes across the middle of the field. It'll be interesting to see how he, he pans out, but also I'll be very interested to see and, and hear feedback of how he's doing this summer and voluntary workouts, but also – when practices start in, in August, exactly how he's fitting in, how he's dealing with everything, because uh, he's going to be in a – I don't know what Youngstown State runs, and I know Oklahoma, what they run, and he redshirted that year, but he's about to go into a really fast-paced practice. It'll be interesting to see how he uh, he deals with that. Um, Keith, is there anything else going on the recruiting trail? I, I've seen some stuff about uh, – the number two quarterback in the nation, maybe being interested in Auburn and uh, yeah. some other developments. Yeah, this is a guy we've written about a, a bunch. Haynes King is his name. 
And, you know, Auburn started recruiting this guy about a year ago. He was a little known prospect out of Texas, but credit Chip, Chip Lindsey, the former offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Auburn for eyeing this talent early. He goes out there at Longview, Texas, leads his high school team to a state title in one of the bigger classifications. Uh, you know, stock keeps rising, offers start coming in. And, and right now he's the number two dual threat quarterback in the country again. Haynes King, well, Friday night, um, I'm getting my days mixed up. Monday night, uh, offensive coordinator at Auburn, the offensive coordinator at Auburn, Kenny Dillingham, who obviously replaced Chip Lindsey in December. Uh, he was at his spring game. And, you know, once Kenny got the job at Auburn, this was a guy he identified and locked in pretty early. And, and having been at Memphis, I'm sure, you know, somewhat in the same in the same region as Auburn here and then not far from Texas. I'm sure he was well aware of this kid, but he locked in on him. Uh, Haynes King visited for a game last fall when Chip was at Auburn. He has since been back to Auburn with his father to meet or to hang out with uh, Kenny Dillingham and such, uh, the rest of the guys. Uh, but uh, sorry, my <laughs> blow my texts are blowing up now, of course, as we're doing this. But uh, so so my head gets all over the place, Brandon. But uh, so, again, this is a guy that Kenny Dillingham has been all over. OK, and visited his school twice this summer or this spring during the, the spring evaluation period. And then obviously was at his spring game now. What is it? Is it paying off at all? And our sources tell us that Auburn is very much in the picture, despite already having Chael Garnett committed, okay, uh, out of the uh, Lakeland, Florida area. So Auburn would take a second quarterback. Obviously, Malik Willis wants, you know, is in the transfer portal and all that stuff. So, you know, this is the, the a lot of moving parts here, but it, it's a guy they would take. Let's put it that way. You don't turn down the number two dual threat quarterback in the country who they think is a perfect fit for the system. And he thinks is a perfect fit for Auburn's system. So Auburn's working him hard, trying to get him on campus. It looks like they're going to get an official visit. There's no clear-cut leader. Brandon, you know, at 24-7, we have that thing, that the 24-7 sports crystal ball, where media people like you and me can make predictions, okay? Well, uh, there's no predictions for him right now. Nobody knows where he's going to go. I think that's a positive for Auburn, that he's uh, not locked in anywhere. So this is a guy that Auburn's going to continue to recruit extremely hard, uh, and it, it's hard to follow up a cycle where you just landed Bo Nix with another elite quarterback, but it sounds like Auburn is very much in the mix, Brandon. They, they've got a shot. It'll be interesting to watch. Uh, recruiting is, is very interesting right now um, uh, for Auburn. And with Big Cat Weekend coming up, it's going to be interesting yeah. to see who all yeah. – That's two weeks away, we should that. point out. Yeah. I know. It's just, it's just it's creeping up on us. Every year it just seems like it just pops up. I'm like, oh, it's Big Cat Weekend. Uh, everybody's in town. Um, uh, Keith, I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, you know, Lindy's Magazine, Athlon Magazine, they they release their preseason magazines here in late May. Um, used to be June or July. Now it's, now it's May. <laughs> this is unbelievable before the season. Um, but they, they do these anonymous coaches. Uh, yeah. You know, little – sections and what they what they have to say about their their rivals and man um one magazine the anonymous coaches they were just all over auburn but if you look at some yeah. of the others they're all they're all over each other yeah uh, here's a quote i want to read this to you this is from an anonymous coach whoever it might be it might be an assistant yeah. might be a head coach who knows and this is a an anonymous coach speaking about auburn specifically They've, quote, they've never been a consistent big-time program, and they haven't played well the last three or four years, uh, unquote. And let me add this. Uh, Auburn went to the SEC championship two years ago, so that's dumb. Uh, anyway, 
back to the quote. If not for defensive coordinator Kevin Steele, they'd be sub 500. Kevin Steele has held that program together. They play good defense. All Gus does is blame the guy calling plays. Hell, then call the plays yourself. Why has their offense been inconsistent? Coaching, uh, unquote. Um, pretty, pretty harsh words. Um, I don't want to, I don't know who it is or whatever, but it almost sounds like Will Muschamp. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, but, but I'll say this. I mean, sub 500 without Kevin Steele, I don't know. They've got great talent, and some of that talent was here before Kevin got here. Let's remember that. And I, I'm not, not downgrading anything Kevin's done. Kevin's a great coordinator, as we've seen. Absolutely. But, yeah. Um, you know, but also to say that Auburn hasn't been good for three or four years yet. They went to the SEC championship game two years ago. That doesn't make much sense to me anyway. So anyway, I bring it up to say this, Keith. If coaches say these things in magazines, even anonymously, what are they saying on the recruiting trail? I well, mean, and yeah, not just about good, Auburn, yeah. not just about Auburn, but about each other at every program. It's it is vicious. Some of the things I hear. Yeah, you make a good point. You know, I always joke with one of my good longtime friends, and you know, when teams are getting ready to play each other, they always compliment each other. And you wonder, uh, are they telling recruits good things about the same school? You know, you don't probably not, right? So it's uh, it's kind of funny. And you know, Auburn's getting negatively recruited hard right now. And and you know what? That's the way it goes. That's the the nature of the beast. And I'm sure at times, uh, you know, when Auburn's been hot. Uh, some coaches at Auburn historically have done the same thing. Okay. We, we know that, that it persists <laughs> throughout the, through, throughout the business, throughout the college football recruiting world. But yeah, that stuff like that absolutely is getting sent directly to kids. And because those kids will then tell Auburn coaches, you know, when you have a good relationship with a kid, um, and I've talked to a lot of coaches about this during the, through the years, when you have a good relationship with a kid, they will share text messages with you that other coaches sent. And occasionally I will get my hands on those and I can't run them, obviously, but you're just like, oh, my God. Really? Oh, my God. You know, they really. And, uh, and, and, you know, again, it works both ways. I don't you know, we're not going to think point fingers at any one or two or three schools. But look, who does Auburn recruit against? It's the same schools year in and year out for the most part. And, yeah. you know, right now the question is, you know, Gus Malzahn, you know, according to some sources, Brandon, you know, you and I have different sources, but. It seems like he was on the hot seat last year, late in the year, right? It seemed like it. Who knew what was going to happen? I, I don't know. You got varying, there were varying uh, uh, sources telling you different things. But anyway, whatever the perception was, you know, he's in trouble. And so he survived. And so the perception now is, look, he's got to win X amount of games. It's, it's actually probably more than perception. But that's absolutely what these coaches at other schools are hammering into recruits' heads right now. Look, this guy's not going to be around now. Is he? I mean, gosh, he might win 12 games this year. I don't know. But that's what's being said. And the reality of college football is no coach is guaranteed to be around for a long period of time. Some guys that are riding high leave for the NFL and you think, well, wait a second. He's he was there less time than the guy that was on the hot seat. So you never really know. But absolutely, Brandon, it, it, it's out there. And, and quite frankly, Auburn's having to battle it every day right now. So what they're going to have to do with this recruiting class is kind of hold it together. Get some commits here and there. Hold it together until the season comes around and hope that they just play their butts off. And that helps. Now, the question is, will it be too late at that point, given the fact that you now have the early signing period? So, you know, Auburn's fighting an uphill battle right now, but the relationships are strong with a lot of the kids. They're in pretty good position with a handful of recruits that could really give the class a boost. And, 
you know, obviously Big Cat Weekend is going to be huge for, for Auburn, granted. It's the weekend of June 1st. They don't just have unofficial visitors coming in. They're going to have kids on official visits, and they're going to have a lot of good players, a lot of really good linebackers, for example. So, you know, that's a time where you hope, if you're Auburn, that by building relationships with kids, you can overcome the negative chatter. But everything you read is certainly being hammered home into kids' ears right now. There's no question about it. And you're exactly right, Keith, about Big Cat Weekend. It's always, I mean, it's the biggest recruiting weekend other than maybe in late November whenever Auburn in those years hosts Georgia and Alabama. Um, As far as, uh, I mean, especially it's the biggest weekend in the offseason for Auburn. So many uh, things happen there where uh, obviously they're not necessarily just talking football during that time. They're playing games or having eating contests and things like that. They're getting to know the school a little bit more, the coaches a little bit more. But when it comes to this this negative recruiting, it happens everywhere uh, uh, practically. Um, you know, I don't know what Auburn coaches say to, to, to recruits about other schools because, frankly, I don't hear about it. Does that mean they don't do it? I, I don't know. But I've heard of what other schools have said about Auburn, and and for that matter, when I was at other schools covering them, Mississippi State, and what Ole Miss would say about Mississippi State, Mississippi State would say about Ole Miss. It happens everywhere. But, you know, you kind of – I guess what's sad about it to me is not necessarily a coach being talked bad about because, listen, that's part of the job. They get paid millions of dollars. The assistant coaches get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars – they're fine financially that you know it just it's just hurt feelings more than anything but they have to survive by getting good players to keep their job and keep their money and that's a whole nother conversation for another day about uh, fairness and and players not getting paid and everything i don't want to get into that right now and whether players should be paid or not but um they should be by the way i think but anyway <laughs> I, I think more than anything is that when you hear this stuff, it's just it's kind of just like white noise to me uh, when these coaches go after each other on the recruiting trail to these players because you would hope that some of these players, you know, high school educated, they 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 know BS when they hear it, uh, they know it every day in their daily life. So hopefully, when you hear it from a coach about someone, you kind of do some background checking yourself and go, that doesn't make sense what that person said or what that person said did make sense. So if you know what I mean, um, but not, but listen, some people are gullible. I mean, in in every walks of life, no matter the age. Um, So they'll believe anything you tell them. Um, Even if they hear the same thing, two different ways uh, in back to back days on the recruiting trail. Um, and that's why sometimes these kids get fickle uh, with their recruiting destinations and where they're going to visit and where they're going to commit and how many, why they always have like a top 12 instead of, you know, narrowing it down to three schools. And you also have to remember these are 17 and 18 year old kids, guys, um, with huge, huge decisions with much more attention on them than any 17 or 18 year old football players in the past have ever had in their, in the history of college football. So you add that all together, and then you start hearing about what these coaches say about each other to try and you know get an in with a player. It, it it bothers me that coaches have to stoop that low, and not all coaches do it, obviously. But the coaches that do, you have to stoop that low to try and get a player so you can make sure that you stay employed. That's what it's all really coming down to: uh, is, is someone wanting to stay employed. Um, 
and um, it, it's kind of sad. It really is kind of sad, and it's not sad for the players per se, but it is sad for the players that buy into it. But it, it's sad for the the coaches that do it because I, I just don't see why you have to resort to that. And I guess the problem is is that's like the name of the game. If everybody else is doing it around you, you almost have to jump into it, and that that's just not good. Um, but uh, but I guess I've said enough on this. It's just uh, but when I when I read that um, in that preseason magazine, and then you read the other anonymous coaches what they say about other programs, it's just along those same lines. It's like yeah, you know they got a good defense or they got a good offense, but um, but you also have to remember these anonymous coaches are the same anonymous coaches that are that are recruiting against these teams. And if they're saying this in a magazine, even though their name's not attached to it, it really makes you wonder what they're really saying on the recruiting trail. And I could tell you this right now, they say worse things on the recruiting trail. And it's it's sad. It kind of is. Um, but that's coaching, I guess. That's the coaching industry these days. And like I said, not every coach is like that. But there are a lot of coaches out there doing it. And as I said, that's the name of the game. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I want to thank Keith Niebuhr for joining us. Recruiting expert extraordinaire, the best in the business, as I like to say. I've been Brandon Marcello. I'll see you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go Undercover with Auburn Undercover. Undercover.